unprecedented times uh, when it comes to the church. I know that we are, uh, my family and I are excited here. We first interviewed for this position back in January, and uh, it's been a long process, but I believe God has been a part of this the entire way. I believe we are exactly where we need to be, and uh, I hope you do too, um, because I'm excited to see what God is going to do here uh, at Rosebud Christian Church our ministry here, not my ministry and my family, but our ministry together. Thank so you. with that, let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you, God. I praise you for your goodness. Lord, there is no denying that you are good. Father, we face a lot of trials and, and things in our life, Lord, that uh, seem to be uh, too much. And Father, they really are too much. But with you, we can get through. Father, help us to lean on you. Help us, Father, to lean on each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And teach us, Holy Spirit, to obey you. We invite you here this morning, Holy Spirit. This is your church. Use these words to convict hearts, to convict minds. And may all the glory and honor go to you, Jesus. Because we love you, Jesus, so much for all that you've done for us. And we thank you that it is by your grace and only by your grace are we saved. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A woman accompanied her husband to the doctor. And after his checkup, the doctor called the wife into a separate uh, room and said to her, Your husband is suffering from a very severe disease combined with horrible stress and anxiety. If you don't do the following, your husband is going to die. He said each morning fix him a healthy breakfast, be pleasant and make sure he's in a good mood. For lunch, make him a nutritious meal that he can take to work. And for dinner, prepare an especially nice meal for him. Don't burden him with chores. And don't discuss your problems with him, as this would only contribute to his stress. Try to relax your husband in the evening by wearing lingerie and giving him plenty of back rubs. <laughs> Encourage him to watch some type of sporting event on TV. And see to it that you satisfy his every whim. If you can do this for 10 months to a year, I think your husband will regain his health completely. On the way home, the husband asked his wife, so what did the doctor say? You're going to die, she replied. <laughs> <laughs> Some burdens are just too much. <laughs> They're just too heavy. Today we're looking at an encouragement I find in Galatians chapter 6. And this encouragement is to, to be together as a church, to be unified as a body of Christ. If this is a togetherness as we face life's trials. You see, if you're for each other, if you're there for each other, then you won't grow weary. When the church is supposed to be one, and it is one, weariness is something that we don't see a lot of because we are being Jesus to one another. It's that important. My prayer this morning is that we would understand how much we need each other in this life. Amen. And I think we've felt that, haven't we? Ever since the middle of March, I think the church in America has felt the need for one another. 
It's important that we understand that, yes, we can worship at home, and, and if you're doing that, God bless you for doing that right now. But there's something about being together in the church building. Now, this isn't the church. We are the church. But in this building to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to be verses 1 through 18. I really could go 1 through 10, but I want us to get the full context of things. You'll learn quickly about me. I'm a contextual preacher. I don't preach just a verse. I want you to see everything about what I'm telling you. Brothers, if anyone is caught up in any transgression, you, are, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from that flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh, who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as, far, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a, I've been in ministry going on 19 years this September, and I've heard this quite a bit, that there's, there's a contradiction here. So let me clear something up about this. See, in verse 2, it talks about a heavy burden. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But in verse 5, we have this apparent contradiction that says, For each will have to bear his own load. I, I want to tackle this because I want us to understand the differences between these burdens. You see, verse 2 is literally talking about a heavy burden that, that is supposed to be shared by the body. This is the burden of sin. This is the burden of shame. This is the burden that, that all of us endure as Christians. In verse 5, think of it as a soldier's pack. 
that, that as soldiers would walk, they would help carry each other's equipment. That's what verse 5 is talking about. There, there, there are things that in this life we will have to bear alone. That there are things in this life that, such as diseases and, and whatnot, that we have to bear alone. But we never do any of this without the support of the church. So there's no contradiction here. It's just different types of burdens that we deal with. In other words, we are to help bear the heavy burdens of life, but there are some things, personal responsibilities, that each of us must carry. Each Christian is going to give an account of their own life. You're not going to give an account of Sammy's life. He's got to do that on his own. So just to clear up any, any kind of question you might have there. In this passage, Paul gives a great picture of the way the church should be as we live this life. Last week I, I talked about what the church is supposed to be. You'll hear me talk about that a lot. I love the church. And I think those who put the church down, those who, those who uh, say the church, that church isn't necessary, their sin is apparent. Because it is sin. The church is essential. The church needs to be what it's supposed to be. Life can be extremely hard. You can even be defeating at times. You ever felt defeated in your own life? That there's just no hope? We see we sometimes grow weary in this life, and we don't know why. But church, don't grow weary. Let's look at a couple things that I think this passage teaches us. In order to not grow weary, we must restore the broken and carry the burden. I want to talk a little bit about legalism in the scriptures. One who is caught in legalism is not at all interested in the betterment of someone else. Let's just be honest. But those who are caught in legalism, they're not about restoring the believer. All of us err. Anybody without sin here this morning? I don't think so. So all of us at one point are broken. And if we're broken, we're in need of restoration. Thank and you. so as Christians, we're to help restore one another. But those who are caught in legalism, that's the farthest thing from their mind. You see, it's not about restoration. Jesus spoke of the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 4, when he said, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their own fingers. You see, that's what the legalistic mind does. It creates another burden. Because what legalism leads to is always looking for other things, other people that are worse off than you to make yourself feel a little bit better. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. That's exactly what Paul is saying here when he's talking about bearing one another's burdens. It's going to take a heart that is for the believer, that is for the church. They are always worried, the legalists, about the sins of others, about the speck of sawdust in the eye of their brother or sister, when from their eyes a two before that needs to be removed. But the one who is spirit-led, the believer who decides that, you know what, it's about everyone. 
It's about the church. And Jesus instituted the church. He established the church. He's the head of the church. So therefore, as a spirit-led Christian, we are only concerned not with our own lives, but with the spiritual life of others as well. This is what we call accountability. When a brother or sister in Christ is struggling, the spirit-led Christian is the one that comes alongside and helps them in their time of need. Doesn't bring judgment, but helps. Brings peace, brings comfort. Brings wisdom. Not bringing condemnation, but lovingly bringing truth. And that is in order to be restored to its proper place. The word restore in this passage is, in the same, is the same word that is used elsewhere in the New Testament, talking about mending nets, or even bringing factions together. It's bringing peace, bringing wholeness. The Spirit-led Christian is to bring together the believer in error. That's what the Spirit-led Christian does. And I'm going to say that again. The Spirit-led Christian is to bring together the believer in error. Not to condemn them, not to put them down, not to shame them, but to bring them together. It's also along the same lines of restoring a broken bone. Warren Worsby said it this way, if you've ever had a broken bone, you know how painful it is to have it set. The sinning believer is like a broken bone in the body, and he needs to be restored. If you believe that the church is the body of Christ, this is what Warren is talking about. That when we are in our sin as believers, what happens is we become a broken part of that body. And I don't know about you, I don't like walking around on a broken ankle. I don't like trying to ride or pick things up with a broken finger. If you ever had a broken toe, there's not a lot they can do about it. And you have to walk around and put up with it. You see, but the body of Christ, when one is broken, we can come alongside them and we can help them understand that it is Jesus who brings restoration by his Holy Spirit. And he uses you and I. Amen. We must be willing to carry the burdens of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. This is one of the best ways that we can imitate Jesus. Because he is the ultimate burden bearer, isn't he? If you want to talk about bearing one another's burdens, didn't Jesus take more than he could, that we could ever do Amen. upon himself? The sin of the past, the present, and the future upon Jesus. Romans 15, 1-3 says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. I want you to understand that. We who are strong, we who are, are mature in our faith, who, who have a good walk with the Lord, it is our responsibility to bear with the failings of the weak, those baby Christians, those, those Christians who need a little extra help. We are to bear with the failings of them and not to please ourselves. This isn't about our egos, is it? This has nothing to do with, oh, Dan, you did a really good job bringing that person through their sin. This has nothing to do with us. Paul says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who, re who reproach 
you fell on me. Amen. To bear one another's burdens does not mean to tolerate sin either. I think our culture has really mixed this up, especially the church culture. We have this culture of God is love, so it doesn't matter what you do. Church, there's a standard in Scripture that we have to live by. Amen. And if we are not living by that standard, we are not living up to what Christ has enabled us to do through the Spirit. So we don't take sin and tolerate it. Let it pass by. Rather, it means that we are always seeking to help each other. We are looking out for one another. That those who are caught in sin, and church, I give you permission to do this to me as well if you see me in sin. To come to me and say, listen, man, you're not living according to your proclamation of Christ. You see, we have to have this in one another. If we don't, we're forsaking. We're forsaking the body. And Hebrews tells us very clearly not to forsake each other. We are not to tolerate sin, but to lovingly restore one another. It means that there is a desire to form a brotherhood or a sisterhood to look out for one another. I'm a very strong believer in everyone needing a, a, a brotherhood. If you're a man, you need a brotherhood. If you're a woman, you need a sisterhood. That, that you need someone to bring accountability to your life. One of my philosophies, I think I said in the recording uh, recently, that that uh, my philosophy is every pastor needs a pastor. So I have a brotherhood of pastors that, that I, I go to on a regular basis and, and, and confess things to or, or ask for prayer or, or pray for them. We need one another. It means that we are willing to get a little messy together. This church, every church in America, is a messy business. If you've ever been in church leadership, you know what I'm talking about. People's lives get messy. When I entered into ministry back in 2001, I chose, my wife and I chose at that time to get messy with the people that we're ministering to. To not let them flounder by themselves through their sin, through their darkness. I've been awoken at 3 o'clock in the morning with a phone call of, of uh, a couple who are about to end it because uh, there was infidelity. I've been awoken uh, many times because of, of a death in the family or, or whatever it might be. I've been approached over the past uh, many years of, of people who are struggling with pornography addictions who are about to lose everything that they love. And never once have I said, well, you're on your own. We should not do that, ever. Amen. But we bear one another's burdens. We walk side by side and restore people. And you're going to get messy for the sake of the gospel. None of this is done that we may boast in ourselves. This is all about Jesus. Amen. Because we know what love does, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. So if you truly love, envy, boasting, arrogance, not even part of it. Do you have this type of relationship with other believers? Are you missing this type of relationship? 
when they're down. Church, we need each other. We need each other. The last thing I learned from this passage is that we need to share the blessings. From the beginning of the church in Acts 2, sharing was one of the defining marks of a Christian. Acts chapter 2, verses 42-47, read it. Sharing was a defining mark of the church, of a believer. As they sold property, they gave all the proceeds to those who were in need, without question. It wasn't about, so how did you get into this mess? Maybe it was after that. You've got to fix the problem. But it was about needs being met. And the church stepped up and they met each other's needs. In verse 6 of our passage, we see the word, this word share. It comes from the Greek word of uh, koinonia. You ever heard that word? Which means to share in or have fellowship with. It's not just meeting together and having potlucks. Although if you look at me, you can tell I like potlucks. Okay? <laughs> uh, it's, it's more than just sharing of food and fellowship. This is of your life. Sharing of everything that you are. My wife and I a long time ago decided that whatever God blessed us with, we would be open to bless others with. So I've loaned out my pickup many times. It's, I've had vehicles come back with dents. I still have tools out there somewhere. <laughs> I have books out there somewhere. But I think God blesses me and my wife to, with the things that we have so that we can bless others. It's not mine. It's God's. I believe as Christians, we walk around that way. We walk around not with closed fists, but with open hands. And we share with one another. Because part of being blessed is helping to bless others. However, let's look a little deeper than the material. We're encouraged to share in blessings that those who give might get a greater blessing. I love how, how Scripture works, that, that God just doesn't, doesn't bless you to bless others and then let it go. He continues to bless. Have you heard, you've heard the saying, my cup overfloweth. See, that's the way God works. Now, if you, if you hear Gospels like Prosperity Gospels, um, Ignore those things. That is not scriptural. God's not going to give you $1,000 because you, you tithe, or he's not going to put a, a Mercedes Benz. I'm still waiting for a bass boat, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I'm telling you, that's not how God works. But God takes care of his children. Amen. He takes care of his church when the church is giving. And we don't give because, oh, maybe God's going to give us something back. We give because we've been given life. And what better gift that we can give to others out of appreciation for the life we've been shown is the grace of Jesus Christ. We are encouraged to share these blessings. Paul addresses the basic principle of sowing and reaping in verses 7 and 8. You see, when believers receive blessings, it should be only natural for the believer to share in those blessings with others. This is a natural response. Because we've been given much, we, we give. 
This is sowing. Paul warns us to be careful where we sow. Because we can sow in the flesh or we can sow in the spirit. What happens when you sow in the flesh? It leads to death every time. But when you sow in the spirit, understand, wherever you sow, you also will reap. So we are called to share our blessings for the good of others. It really comes down to where we invest our lives. We can invest our lives in the blessings that come along with it in the things of the flesh. Or we can invest our lives and our blessings into the work of the kingdom of God. In Galatians 6.15, Paul gives us a reminder as to why he is writing all of this in the first place. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Why is Paul writing the whole book of Galatians, really? It's because he's helping them understand as he ends this letter that they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. It's not about the law that enslaves anymore. It is about the grace of Jesus Christ. Church, the same goes for us today. We are a new creation in Jesus. You may be a new creation of 40 years, but nonetheless, you are a new creation in Jesus. Amen. The things of the world no longer enslave us, church. So don't grow weary. I love what verse 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Amen. Don't grow weary of doing good. If we can keep focused on what's important in this life, we will not grow weary. We are called to love one another. This love is evident in how we restore the broken and carry their burden and share the blessings. We need each other. So stop trying to live this life alone. I said last week when, when Scripture speaks, Scripture speaks not to individuals, but to the body, to the church, to a nation. I challenge you today to form a tight relationship with other believers. Really, truly become a family. Bring accountability to each other's lives, even when it's uncomfortable. Because that's part of being messy together. Bring the light of Jesus to each other. And when we are unified, then we will be a bright beacon of hope to a lost world. When this church, when Rosebud Christian Church can become truly one unit, one body, the lost will see truly who Jesus is. Amen. Don't grow weary, brothers and sisters, because we are all one in Christ. Seek to live in God's amazing grace and walk in his relentless love. Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you being who you are. God, you've given so much that we can have life. Father, as you've said in your word, that the response to your grace, to your mercy, is to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. So, 
that soon, Lord, we will be one church again in this building. Only to understand, God, that we are not to remain in this building, Lord. There is a community that needs to see who you are, Jesus. So empower us by your spirit to move, to do the things you've called us to do. We thank you.